the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue our study in the book of 1 Samuel, Saul's plan to free Israel from Philistine oppression appears to be in jeopardy, and against this backdrop we see Saul's faith falter. We'll pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 9. Once again, that's 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 9. Do you know, when you've done what God told you to do, and now it looks like it's not going to work out, that's when our faith is most tested and most revealed. When it seems like there's no hope and no time for a solution, yet the end has not actually arrived. That's when our faith is most revealed and most tested. Now, there are those who will tell you in that moment, you're a fool. There is no logical way waiting results in winning at this point. They will tell you that's foolish. You have to take matters in your own hands. You have to do something. And because of how difficult this pressure can be, and how poorly most of us fare in trusting God under that pressure, I have found that the enemy has two tactics in those moments that he uses. First off, I have found that the enemy likes to drastically distort how close to the end we really are. That if we don't act now, if we don't do something, disaster is literally right around the bend. In other words, fear tactics. Ideas designed to get us to act out of fear of what will happen if we don't act. The second thing I've seen the enemy do is he likes to get us focused on our dwindling strength instead of God's faithful promise. In other words, ideas designed to get us to lean on our own understanding. Those are two of the enemy's tactics. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. He gives us ideas designed to get us to act out of fear, and he gives us ideas designed to get us to lean on our own understanding. Now, Acting out of fear or leaning on my own understanding will always end up with a foolish response. Always. I'd like to share a few verses with you what the Bible has to say about trusting the Lord and about the danger of not trusting the Lord, of giving in to fear. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whosoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 
Proverbs 15, 33, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. If you want things to work out, you have to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. You have to listen to his wisdom. And then Psalm 92, 5 and 6, I love it. Oh Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. But here's the kicker. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand that. God has thought everything through. He has a plan. And so when he gave us his word that laid down instructions on what to do, we don't have to look at our dwindling numbers. We don't have to listen to the fear tactics of the enemy and say, God, you haven't really thought this through. If I do what you say, it's not going to work out. That's what a senseless man does. He doesn't get that God has thought this through, that his works are great. He knows how to do things better than anyone else does. And so acting out of fear or leaning on our own understanding will always end up with a foolish, senseless response. Saul, who started his reign with a humble heart, he gives in to the fear and he leans on his own understanding. He says, if I wait any longer, I won't have enough men left to fight. And in giving in to that fear and in leaning on his own understanding, he disobeys a clear command from the Lord. Look at verse 9. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, it is very possible that there were priests present who did these sacrifices. We see frequently where it mentions that David made an offering to the Lord. And it doesn't mean he did. It means he brought the animals to the priests and they did the actual slaughtering and sacrificing. It's possible that priests did this and it wasn't Saul who made the offering. Saul is clearly forbidden in the law to make an offering because he's not a priest. But just as clearly was the command from the Lord to wait for seven days. And no matter how much of his numbers were dwindling, no matter how much it looked like there was no way to beat the Philistines if he didn't do something now, the truth is seven days aren't up yet. Right? Seven days aren't up yet. And so when Saul did this, he disobeyed the Lord. Now, there can be no devotion to God in disobedient actions. None. None. No devotion to God can be found in disobedient actions. Disobedience is always the realm of self-devotion. No matter how reasonable my excuse may seem. Disobedience is always the realm of self-devotion, no matter how reasonable the excuse may seem. And whenever I make an excuse for disobedience, it reveals that foolishness exists within my heart. The dictionary describes foolish like this. It says it means lacking good sense, lacking judgment. Now, the Bible defines wisdom as loving what God loves and trusting his ways. So, If wisdom is loving what God loves and trusting his ways and foolishness is lacking good sense or judgment, then the opposite of wisdom, foolishness, means not loving what God loves and not trusting his ways. And that leads to lacking good sense and lacking good judgment. (laughs) Therefore, when I lean on my own understanding and I love what God doesn't, I will always lack good judgment in my decision-making. 
And this foolishness in Saul's heart is proven when Samuel shows up on time just after Saul finishes disobeying the Lord. Look at verse 10. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. Now, I read this and I chuckle because how many times I have experienced my own behold where I've decided, I, I, can't, I can't wait any longer, Lord. I, I can't trust you. I got to do this. I got to do this my way. And then I go do it my way. And then I look up after doing it my way, disobeying the Lord, and the Lord comes through with an answer. I have had so many moments like that in my life where I've looked up and behold, here comes Samuel walking in. And I think, did I really only just need to trust you for a few more minutes? Learn from Saul's failure. Learn from my failures. Please do things the Lord's way and save yourself the headache. Now, Saul at this point could have repented and fallen on his knees and been like, oh man, I blew it. That would have been the right response. But instead, it says that Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. The word actually means to bless him. Saul's thinking, oh, wonderful. Now that you're here, we can get on with the war. I've done the offerings. Now you can tell me what the next step is. That's actually his mindset. What's the Lord's next set of instructions? Saul actually believes he's done nothing wrong. That this was a smart decision. This was the necessary decision to succeed. But when Samuel sees that the burnt offering has already been done, he's horrified. Look at verse 11. And Samuel said, what have you done. You clearly didn't obey the Lord. What on earth did you do, Saul? And so Saul gives his explanation. And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you came not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore, I said, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. Therefore, I forced myself and offered a burnt offering. Let's look at what he actually says first. He says, because, so here's his excuse. Because, number one, I saw that the people were scattered from me. The very definition of leaning on my own understanding, right? What I can see, what I can hear, what I can think, what I can feel. All of my inputs, I made a decision based on my inputs. Forget about the Lord's input. I based it on my input. The very definition of leaning on my own understanding, he saw Then he says, and that you came not within the days appointed. That is a lie. Samuel was pushing it close to the deadline, but he wasn't late. He hadn't not come. And then thirdly, he says that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. He goes on to say, therefore, I said, the Philistines will come down now. Saul made his decision based on an unknown that he believed he knew the answer to. Saul did not know the Philistines' battle plans. They hadn't moved from their camp yet. In fact, what we're going to learn later on in the chapter is they won't move there for quite some time. The now does not exist. Saul's excuses were based on limited information, flat-out lies, and his own flawed calculations. Now, looking at it after the fact makes it easy to point at Saul and say, yeah, you loser, what were you thinking? But we do the very same thing when whenever we lean on our own understanding. The enemy presents us with enough information to convince us something is true when it's not. He points out enough facts to convince us we're out of time when truly we're not. 
He brings enough negatives to our attention to convince us that we have no other option but to do something when God can still act on our behalf. That's what the enemy does. And Saul fell for it. And so he said, therefore, I forced myself and offered a burnt offering because I had not made supplication unto the Lord. That phrase, to make supplication, it means to stroke the face. I had not touched the face of God yet. So I went ahead and just did an offering instead. When Saul listened to the lies of the enemy instead of the Lord, he turned a time of seeking God's face into a dead ritual. Intimate worship was exchanged for the next thing on the checklist. He says, I forced myself. I offered a burnt offering. The word force myself, it means to pull oneself together after a strong internal conflict. In other words, Saul knew what he was doing was wrong. He says, I know I disobeyed the Lord, but I had no other choice. I wanted to spend close time with the Lord. I wanted to seek his face and hear his will, but in the end, I sacrificed all of that so we could at least go into battle with his blessing. I'll take that. As if God was somehow obligated to bless him because he went through the motions. There is so much wrong with this response. So much foolishness. And when Samuel hears the reasoning of King Saul, he knows that Saul will never be the king God originally planned to give the nation. That he'll never be a man after God's own heart. Look at verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly means you have made a poor decision. You have lacked understanding. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Disobedience is always a poor decision. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Jehovah is not just some deity in the heavens that needs to be appeased or titillated for blessings. You have a relationship with your God, Saul, an amazing, loving, powerful God who wanted to do so much for you. So much more than just be a, a check mark on your list of things that had to be accomplished to obtain his blessings. For now, Samuel says, would the Lord have established your kingdom upon, upon Israel forever? He says, Saul, your family would have been a dynasty. The whole reason that Israel wanted a king for stability. They didn't like the fact that judges were different people coming from different tribes and who knew where they'd spring up. God would have established you. He would have made your family a dynasty and Israel would have had that stability. But Samuel goes on to say that will not be the case now. Your kingdom will end with you, verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people. Because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord needs a different kind of man to lead his people than someone who will give in to pressure Saul. Someone who won't trust the Lord. And what kind of a man does that? He says, the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. 
The word after means suitable to, moldable to, just like or just as. Saul revealed here that he was a man whose heart was much more like Israel than it was like the Lord's. It was much more suited to the Israelis than it was to the Lord's plans. Saul, as we'll see throughout the course of his reign, always cared more what people thought and what the odds looked like than stroking the face of God. In the early days when me and Beverly had first planted the church up in Sanford, we had a friend of ours who served in another Calvary Chapel and they had put out a couple worship songs. And One of my favorites is a song called City of Peace. And the chorus goes like this, I will walk with my God. I will touch his face. I will ever know his sweet embrace. And I will cast down my crowns before his throne as the angels are singing, worthy are you, Lord. The book of Revelation talks about how we will see his face. How we will be there in front of him. We won't need a sun to light the earth because the Lord will be the light. The intimacy that we will have with our God will be so close. And that's what Saul had with the Lord. And he traded it for something far inferior. It's interesting. When I prioritize other things over the Lord, my time with him, I kick the bucket down the road as far as my time with him. The Lord never condemns me when I come to him. When I finally come to him and I open the word and I spend time with him and I begin to touch his face in that sense, to make supplication like Saul said here. He never berates me. He never condemns me. There's just always that sense of that still small voice saying, why did you wait so long? Why didn't you come earlier? I was always here. This was always waiting for you. What could have been better than that? That's why God let David's line continue, even though David seemed to do far worse things than Saul did here. Why, in some ways, Saul was probably a more moral king than David was. Saul's actions reveal a foolish heart, one that would never crave a closeness with God over his personal success as a ruler. You'll get to a later portion in 1 Samuel when Saul doesn't kill the Amalekites and Samuel says, enough's enough, Saul. The Lord's done. And Saul reaches and grabs his garment because Samuel's just leaving him and rips the garment and he says, in the same way, the kingdom's going to be ripped from you, Saul. And Saul says this to Samuel, please don't go. Stay with me so the people can see you giving the offerings and me with you and they'll think everything's fine. That was always more important to Saul. His success as a ruler, more important than his closeness with God. The foolish heart like that, it makes Saul a very dangerous man to be on a throne. Very dangerous man indeed. Now, when Samuel said this to Saul, was it over? I mean, is it done? I don't believe that. I do think there could have been a place of 
forgiveness, and even restoration for Saul. In fact, we see in the Scriptures that God frequently renders such heavy judgments for the purpose of drawing us to repentance. Remember what he did with Moses? Remember he told Moses, you know, stand aside, Moses. I'm going to wipe out the whole nation. I'll start over with you. And what did Moses do? He cried out to the Lord. No, Lord, don't do that. He falls on his face. He cries out to the Lord. He appeals to God's character and mercy and grace and forgiveness. And of course, what does the Lord do? He forgives and he restores. The difference between Moses and David and so many others who experienced restoration and forgiveness. The difference between them and Saul is that not only does Saul have a foolish heart that craved personal success over closeness with God, Saul also didn't have a heart of repentance. We have no record of Saul admitting he was in the wrong here to Samuel, never. In fact, we have no record of him asking how to make things right. All we see Saul doing is going on with the next thing. Look at verse 15. And Samuel arose, and he got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. Samuel arose. He didn't continue with the rest of the offerings. He didn't make a sin offering for Saul, no trespass offering for Saul, nothing. Samuel just leaves. He's done. And he goes to where the enemy is. The enemy is only four miles north of Gibeah of Benjamin. It's almost like he says, Saul, you want to make things right? I'll be waiting in your hometown. I'll be right where you can find me. But Saul doesn't follow him. There's no confession, no repentance. He goes right along with his plan, thinking he's done enough to secure God's blessing to fight a massive Philistine army with only 600 men. (laughs) To which I would say, good luck. Because whether you had 600 or 600,000, you were going to need the Lord's help to win this thing, Saul. I want to close by reading to you Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus, at the very end of his Sermon on the Mount, he concludes this. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon that house. Did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. We're going to look at Saul's life, and it's not just going to be a fall, it is going to be a great catastrophic fall. The Lord has so much better planned for you and me, amen? So let's trust what he says, let's be doers of the word, let's be wise, build our house upon the rock, Let's not give in to fear. Let's not lean on our own understanding. Even when it looks like we're up against a deadline, even when it looks like there's no way, even it looks like the enemy's squeezing in and there's no escape, let's trust the Lord. Let's do what he said. Let's obey his commandments. And in doing so, let's watch him come through, even if it's at the 11th hour. Amen? O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. There is no one like you. 
Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. So, Lord, you call us, you command us to trust you with all our hearts, to not lean on our own understanding, but always take you into account. Lord, if it's a financial need, if it's a health need, if it's a relationship need, if it's a some other need that I've not mentioned, the reality is no matter how late it looks like you might be, Lord, all you have to do is speak and everything's fine. So Lord, we commit to be those who will not listen to the fear tactics of the enemy, who seeks to give us some information, enough information for us to be fearful and to make a bad decision, to not listen to flat-out lies, but rather to hold your commandment in your word high, to cling to it, to rest in it, to trust in it. We've decided to do that, Lord. And for everyone who's struggling with something, Lord, to find it so hard to give it to you, Lord, I've been there. I know what it's like to wrestle with you too. Lord, remind them of their love. Remind them of your faithfulness, that you never fail, that you never let us down, that you will not leave us or forsake us, but you'll be faithful to the end. Please remind them of that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.